0: What up Long Beach? I'm JJ. He's Mike. He's Tyler. We are the 562.org. This is our podcast and we are gearing up for winter sports here in the LBC. We've got basketball, soccer, water polo, wrestling, going at high school, and we've also got some stuff at college too. But we're going to be talking about the more League, Long Beach Unified, Mike We've got a lot of individual talent out there. It's going to be interesting to see if we can get them all to look like teams by the end of this season.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, we we did our photo shoots for basketball and soccer, you know, a couple weeks ago. We've got comprehensive previews of all those sports JJ mentioned up on the site. And uh, you're just looking at a lot of studs, you know, in in all
2: those sports. So definitely excited to see what they do this winter.
0: Tyler, obviously the only reason we're, we're able to do these previews is because of the support of the city.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the 562 is a community funded nonprofit news outlet. Uh, we feel that you know we're kind of the cutting edge of uh, nonprofit news and, and trying to hold it down here in Long Beach. We know this is a really proud sports community. And uh, we're so grateful for the support of our sponsors, of our subscribers. Um, and if you're a listener to the show and you, you like you know staying up to date with Long Beach Sports, help us continue to do that into the future. Hit the website, hit the support tab, subscribe there's links everywhere to our give butter page where you can become a monthly subscriber or a one-time donor or shoot us an email if you've got a business or if your family wants to get behind a particular sport or support a school or sponsor uh, one of our interns for our great internship program um, there's lots of ways that you can support the 562 and hey it's the end of the year so it's going to be tax time coming up Uh, Any donation you make to the 562 is fully tax deductible. So uh, make sure you give us your money instead of Uncle Sam.
1: Use our wonderful student interns as your tax shelter. You know, you can help sponsor one of our interns. We've got 11 interns in this year's program. They're all phenomenal. We've had a bunch of their work up on the website already. Uh, But in all seriousness, like Tyler said, you make a donation, you help sponsor the internship program, which is huge. And you also do get a tax write-off.
0: We're going to have a lot of our high school interns out at high school basketball and soccer games here this winter. Let's start with basketball. Um, Guys, I think the best quote from the previews was from Coach Dwayne Cooper at Lakewood. And his quote was, who knows what's going to happen in the Moore League? It's never the favorite. The favorite didn't even win last year. And he's right. We're covering championship games for teams we didn't think we'd be covering championship games for a lot recently in the winter season. Obviously, it was Jordan last year, but I think Pauly and Giovanni Ruff Mike are the clear front runners this season.
1: Yeah, I thought the best quote in the winter previews was Giovanni Ruff saying that Pauly wants their lick back for you know losing the more league title last year. Uh, and and to uh, you know I might disagree with Coop. I probably would have had Jordan. Jordan Lakewood is sort of co favorites last year. Uh Lakewood obviously injuries kind of knocked him sideways, but I don't know. I think Jordan was, you know, and, and I think Chris Francis was pretty realistic about what the state Jordan's in right now. But yeah, to your point, uh Polly definitely the favorites going around the Moore League. I think uh, you know, pretty much everyone had them as as the best team. Um may have probably still been the favorite, even if Giovanni Ruff had transferred out as he had suggested over the offseason that he was doing. Um having him stay and grow to the extent that he very clearly has uh, as a leader. um, I'm very excited about what that team can do this year. Um, The big question mark for them, JJ is so far it's been a bunch of really good losses. You know, they lost uh, by 10 to Winward, Who's a state ranked team. They lost by one point in overtime to Bishop Montgomery. They lost by 10 points to Bosco. Who's the top team in Southern California, possibly the best team in the state. Um, And, You know, with a young team, and it it is really all juniors, sophomores, and a couple freshmen on that varsity team. There's only the one senior that's really playing. You're always looking for when does a team make that transition from they're competing against teams that they're not necessarily supposed to compete against, or they're losing by less than you'd think to actually beating those teams and succeeding. Uh, And this week in the the Bosco Winter Classic, you know, we we may get a chance to see if they're sort of at that level yet or if they're going to try and grow to that point over the course of the Moore League. But,
0: but Giovanni Ruff is a uh, price of admission type player. It's, though, it's difficult to say who he's like, right? Like, you can't think, he's not like um, Peyton Watson. He's not really like Rashawn Prince. Can't really think of a lot of other guys who played basketball at Poly that Giovanni Ruff is like. I think that is that's a positive, right? He's like a, a completely original type of talent. If nobody had ever seen him play, how would you explain the way Giovanni Ruff plays? It's it's very original and unique. I haven't really thought of that, of like of a comp for him.
1: I mean, maybe Mike Wilder. Like I'm just like I'm trying. Oh, the Beast! I, I'm I'm just trying to think. I mean, he's because he's so good at getting to his spots. His mid range is so lethal. He's a better shooter than most of the kids that we have covered. Um, And I know I showed Tyler a clip of one of his moves against Bosco where, you know, normally a guy makes two or three moves trying to shake a defender and in your head you're just like, pass the ball, right? (laughs) Like, this is high school, this is not going well. And he made about three moves to get this dude off of him and then was just wet from like a yard behind the three-point line. Um, So he's definitely a different animal. But yeah, you're you're right, he doesn't really have a cop. Very, very efficient scorer. Um, uh, actually, a, I think a really underrated passer, and then you can see the strides he's made defensively this year. Is I think where the 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 sort of most important improvement from them as a team is. But yeah, man, you, you look, we have a, a top fifteen, top twenty player in the junior class in Long Beach. You can go see him for six bucks or whatever it costs to get into a high school basketball game. Um, you don't know, you, you don't want to take those players for granted. You never know how long they're going to be around. Like I said, he almost transferred out after his sophomore season. Um, you're very lucky as a Long Beach High School basketball fan, you've gotten to see DeMar DeRozan, Jordan Bell, Rashawn Prince, uh Peyton Watson, you know, th- some of these guys, but it, it really is not something you should ever take for granted. There's a lot of city section powers that had guys like
2: that who haven't seen one now in twenty-five years. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. I've been trying to think of a, a comp for Giovanni, and I wouldn't compare him to any previous poly players that we've covered. Um and, and I hesitate. Uh the one the first player that came to mind which, again, I hesitate to make this comparison and you'll know why, uh, is Kobe because his, he has unbelievable body control, Um, He elevates so well and loves scoring in the mid-range and knows his spots and finds his spots. And I always respected Kobe because you would watch a game and he would always just get where he needed to get and he would elevate and score. And I'm certainly not putting Giovanni Ruff on that level yet. I mean, that's outrageous. But, like, I'm just, for a casual basketball fan, just, like, watching him work and navigate on the court just reminds me of how Bean used to do it. Um, Just, obviously, he's a high school junior, so let's pump the brakes on
0: on that. Hold on, hold on. His baby, his baby fro Kobe, because baby fro Kobe was still trying to learn how to pass the ball.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and honestly, him having the ball in his hands is more often than not is going to be the right play. Um, I did want to give a shout out to uh, to St. Anthony. Um, You know, they they played Polly in the opener and we covered that game and they beat the Jackrabbits comfortably. You know, they they shot the lights out. They've got a really good backcourt senior Quincy Phillips and uh, sophomore uh, Jojo Wicker. And so. You know, we would talk about we. You know, when we look at the Morley, yes, Polly's the clear favorites, but in Long Beach, uh, Saint Anthony has already kind of put their flag down. You know, they beat Polly, and then they played a much closer game against Wilson at home, and and kind of had to survive late. So the Bruins. You know, if you're comparing results, which is dangerous to do, uh, but the, yeah. the Bruins have to feel good about, especially with high school, no kids. doubt. Um, and they've got a, a very young team this year. And we'll, we'll get we'll get to them later. But just wanted to give a shout out to St. Anthony is again kind of looking like the maybe the best you know boys basketball team in Long Beach, and they are in such a tough league. The Del Rey league is stacked, so we'll we'll be seeing more of the Saints this year too.
0: We're also going to be seeing a lot of clashing styles in local high school boys basketball. We've got a lot of teams out there who are going to do things very differently. You look at a coach like James Boykin at Wilson, who's tried to get his system in with maybe like guys who aren't exact perfect fits, right? Well, now it's a perfect fit. But that Wilson system isn't the system that you might have seen them running recently or other high school teams running recently. I mean, Lakewood is basically going to run a five-guard set if they're going to be playing their best with their best guys on the floor. So it's going to be a clash of styles, which I think is also going to be very interesting this year.
1: Yeah, that's definitely um, you know I put together most of the boys basketball previews and it, it's exactly what you said. So, someone asked me on a, a um, we, we had a, a listener question on another podcast. on who asked like why do why does basketball seem more boring to me now than it, than it did when I was a kid? And my answer was I think that the uh, analytics movement has made it such that every pro team is chasing the same analytic efficiency. Um, And they're all kind of trying to look the same, right? When we were kids, that wasn't the case. You knew different NBA teams had very different styles based on the the talent that they had. And the Moore League looks more like that, right? You have teams that want to outscore you. Like Cabrillo wants to score 80 points. That's the goal, right? They're trying to outscore you. Wilson... Gave up 25 points, I believe it was, less to St. Anthony than Polly did. Their entire identity is based on their defense. And Boykin even told me, he's like, yeah, offensively, we're kind of going to have to see how these guys grow into their roles. Because they graduated, I think it was 95.5% of their scoring from last year. But they're really, really good defensively. They will switch from like a matchup zone. Um, or an amoeba type defense into man. Um, and I love that defense, very similar to what the Long Beach State women's basketball program ran under Jeff Kamen and Jody Wynn. I love that multiple switching defense um, that's trying to confuse other teams and get them off guard. And it is a big equalizer. Like Tyler said, they only lost to St. Anthony by six points. That's a Wilson team that is not like a shoe-in to make the playoffs. Like spots two through six or seven in the Moore League, it's going to be a real battle every night. Um, because it's even in talent and because of those um, uh, stylistic discrepancies that you just talked about, Jage, Milliken looked like they were going to be a, oh, we have the best big in the league, we're running everything through him, their center transfers out, and now they're a 5 guard system. Cabrillo, I think, actually probably one of the bigger teams in the league this year. Lakewood always very skilled guards. And so now they're saying, well, what if we just build the whole plane out of the guards, right? <laughs> um and yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I think it's going to be really, really fun. I think we're going to have super, super competitive games. I don't think and you know, I would add, by the way, like, yes, all the coaches told us Polly's a favorite, but you're still talking about a pretty unproven group of guys, like I said, who their sort of signature non-league accomplishments so far are like being closer than you'd expect them to be in losses. Um, so I, I think it's really all up for grabs. And I think almost every night when you look at the schedule, there's a game that you're like, that might go to overtime. You know, that's going to be a close game. So I'm really excited for this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and when you know when I talked to uh, Chris Francis, you know, defending uh, league champions up in J-town, you know, he he was saying they're not really stressed about. Trying to defend the the more League, that's not their goal, and he knows that everything's kind of up for grabs um, when things start. So he's just trying to make that team the best version of itself that they can be by the time league play gets started uh, here pretty soon. And you know, a, a lot to replace. You know, there's <laughs> that that big senior class that's that's now at uh, at LBCC altogether, basically. Um, it was driving that team. You know, Dennis Redman, such a leader that had been with that program. And then the incoming transfers, um, Kane Young, you know, uh, Frankie uh, Chambers, More League Player of the Year. Uh, Jerome Wilson was a big part of that inside as well. Um, So, you know, uh, Francis told me like, he's, he's aware that, Things are going to be different, and they know that they've got what they've got, and they're they're inexperienced, largely. Uh, they've got a strong junior class. Davion Chisholm and Jamari Redmond have played a lot, and those two are going to have to kind of carry it with the new generation sort of coming up, and And they're trying to build a program, right? They're not trying to just have one great season uh, at Jordan, which they did already. That was a great season last year, and then now it's like, how can we turn that into a program? So it, it may be a year to learn and grow in J-Town, and then next year they'll be a little bit more senior-heavy and experienced. Um, But you can't count them out because of their style of play. On any given night, if they speed you up, they force turnovers, they get easy buckets. If you fall into their type of game, they can beat a lot of different teams.
0: Is it the same with girls' basketball, Mike? Are we also going to see some clashes of styles as Long Beach Poly tries to defend their Morley Championship again?
1: Yeah, I think girls' basketball, you know, um, I do think – like, Polly had an overtime game, you know, with, like, Lakewood, Millikin. and they've been much closer than they had been previously with Polly the last couple of years. Um, I do see Polly sort of reestablishing themselves as a true league power that is very uh, distant from other schools this year. I mean, I, I just think that they have so much more depth than they've had. Carl Bugs told me he kind of feels like his team is is really a complete program again for the first time since COVID. They were one of the programs that was hit really hard by COVID. And I think that because they won, um, you know, the CIF and the state regional the year after COVID, you kind of forget that, but they graduated everyone after that. And it was some real battles the last two years for them to kind of keep the league streak going that they have that dates back to 2008. Um, just in terms of, of not losing a game I forget how many consecutive league titles they have but it's it's uh, you know goes back to about that time as well um, so this year I, I, it's sort of like they got to this point through kind of the pride and history of the program but this year is again where you go okay they have multiple division one uh, senior signees um, they have, Good starters and players in the junior, sophomore, and freshman class. And you can sort of see what the breadth and the depth of that program is going to look like. So I do think uh, I've got their games against Lakewood circled, absolutely. Um, but, you know, to me, Lakewood is a clear two in that I don't think anyone in the league is really going to knock Lakewood off their pivot. Lakewood is good enough, absolutely, to give Polly a game or beat them if Brooklyn Taylor and the rest of the Jackrabbits have a, a, an off night. But um, you know, Nevaeh probably the best pure scorer in the league for Lakewood. Um, or excuse me, not Nevaeh, uh, Naima, and um, and then Chrissy Jones, the 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 center. Um, love the way she plays. Hard nosed player. She told me at our photo shoot, I said, "What's what's your what's last on your to do list?" And she was like, "I gotta beat Bugs, man. I got it. You know, she's like, I just gotta beat him one time. We've been so close. I just want to get that one win." So I love Lakewood. I think that you know they were a historic program last year. Um, And I think certainly with their returners could have another big year. Um, And then, yeah, man, I, I think you have a lot of really even teams with great coaching. The state of coaching on the girls basketball side in the Moore League is in a really good spot. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how Milliken bounces back from a tough year under a Hall of Fame coach and Lorene Morgan. I love Wesley Rosenbaum at Jordan. is like the exact kind of guy you want coaching those programs and building step by step by step. I want to see what Asia Edwards does. Is I think, one of the best leaders we have in the league in any sport. Um, she went out and represented for Jordan in girls' flag football and was a big part of why they had such a great season. Um, so I'm excited to see her at home on the hard court, see what she does but uh, yeah, to your point, man. I think it's going to be a really
2: exciting year. I wanted to follow up on that that point, Mike, because I agree with you that the coaching is really strong. Um, you know, you've got a, a recent Hall of Famer uh, in Lorraine Morgan at Milliken, obviously the the OG over there. Um, it's how many sports where we have. Three coaches with CIF championships with Aaron Carey at Wilson, um, Lorreen Morgan, and um, Carl Bugs, obviously, with a, a few. Um, and, and so I, I just think that that, that kind of speaks to it. And to your point, um, you know, uh, Wesley Rosenbaum has done a great job at Jordan, and they have so much back from a team that made a little bit of a playoff run last year. They won some playoff games. Um, and so they, they've got really high hopes that, you know, if you get in the right division, <laughs> and you're playing your best at the right time, and you've got experience, a lot of these teams can make a run. So we we may end up with teams that are in multiple different divisions that are making runs. You know, I could see Lakewood doing it with the the dynamic duo that you mentioned already. Um, you'd be a fool to think that Polly couldn't go on a playoff run in any given year, and like I just mentioned with Jordan. So um, yeah, really interesting, exciting times, And and I see girls basketball on the way up at least in the Moore League, with the way the structure is. And St. Anthony has a Division One talent in Ryan Bennett, who just signed with um, UC Davis.
1: Yeah, and St. Anthony, a very, very good team as well. Uh, we should mention that on the girls' side, too. I mean, I, I wish we were going to get a poly-St. Anthony game this year on the girls' side. Both teams going to the Nike Tournament champions, both teams traveling because they know they've got good teams. But Ryan Bennett, to me, as good as Brooklyn Taylor is, as good as uh, Sidney Quarterboyd and some of the other Jackrabbits are, Ryan Bennett at St. Anthony have to be your preseason pick for top player in the city. Um, really, really dynamic scorer, and has uh, led them to a really nice start to the season so far.
0: Real. What well, one more thing about the more league? Uh, you mentioned Bugs and Morgan. You'd be hard pressed to find two other coaches in the same league with more wins. No. Right? That,
1: yeah. No. I, I, it's when Tyler because when Tyler made that point about what that's what I thought was well where where would we ever have two coaches that are already in the Hall of Fame. For the Century Club, you have Bugs and and Morgan. So, I mean, baseball. You've got Keister, Spud O'Neill, and Andy Hall have all won CIF championships. But like that, and baseball is famously the city that Long Beach has produced the best, <laughs> the best results in. So it is pretty crazy that you've got girls basketball up there. Can I ask you some soccer questions, JJ?
0: Yo, hold on, you got to mention track too, right? So since Jordan, uh, plaque, we've got track plaques. Um, Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. That's it. Yes, Dude, I was even saying, uh, Bugs and Morgan, go f- the state, go the country. Could you find yeah. two other Where, of the where else do you have two coaches
1: yeah. with 1,100 wins between the two? <laughs> yeah, them?
0: man. Crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, we just talked about sort of some of the exciting results possible in boys and girls basketball. But let's be completely honest. The most consistent sport in terms of exciting results— you could say baseball because you do have genuinely a four-team race for a league title every year. But boys' soccer, it's five or six teams that are alive a few you know, weeks or halfway into the season every year. And you never know what kind of results you're going to get. So first off, top-level question. Milliken got their title back last year. They've been the historic power in the Moore League. They've won the title more than half the time that the sport has existed are they the favorite again this year, or wh- who do you think is looking like the team to beat in the more league on the boys
0: side? If I were a Vegas odds maker, uh, mm. I would I would have like three teams at like minus 120, which is basically okay. like they should <laughs> win. But maybe not, right? That's but the, it's that's a classic. Soccer, right? Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> minus uh, minus one twenty is a classic. Like they're the favorites, but they're really not the favorites. It's maybe Okay, it's, so it's break a pick break up. them down. But yeah, break it would down. obviously it would obviously be Milliken uh, as the defending champions. Um, they graduated a great senior class. Um, but DeLeon and those guys can score. Um, they, they've got a lot of dynamic ways to to move the ball around the pitch. And they've shown the ability to do that against, uh, like we mentioned in, ba- in the basketball preview, uh, a lot of different types of teams because they have to play against a lot of different types of teams. You know, Wilson and Cabrillo are very different, but they're both very, very tough games when Milliken has to play them. I'd say Wilson and Cabrillo also uh, are legitimate title contenders. Cabrillo going to score a lot of goals. Can they slow the game down enough uh, to uh, to you know stay in games and and not give up late equalizers and and the like? Uh, we'll see. But like Nathan Mosqueda, these guys they started as freshmen. They are now upperclassmen. They have got the experience and the talent to do a lot of special things. They made a nice playoff run into the quarterfinals in a very, very difficult Division Three last year. Ended up losing in PKs, very, very close to reaching that semifinal level and possibly a state berth. And most of that offense is coming back. So the Jaguars are going to be running fast out the gate. And then obviously Wilson, we mentioned it with basketball. Wilson also has been very defensive, but they don't have to be this year because they can really move the ball around with Pierce in the midfield and a a lot of guys who have played a lot. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of uh, experience and a lot of talent in more league boys soccer. And I don't really I I wouldn't bet it. Right. I would look at it and be like, wow, that's going to be a great league race. That is a no bet for me. I'm staying. I'm staying away from that thing, because last year we had five. Yeah, four and a half. (laughs) Five teams um, with the ability to make the playoffs on the last day. The very last day of competition, we had five teams fighting for a playoff spot. Not just the More League title, just the ability to keep playing. So like, look at Lakewood, right? Michael Gutierrez at Lakewood is coming back for his sophomore year. He might be the most talented goal scorer full stop. But he's also at Lakewood, where they're trying to build something and build together. So like all of these different uh, twists on a classic sport, such as soccer, uh, I think is going to make an absolutely thrilling season. in One in which I would not even beg to make a prediction.
2: Well, I, I don't blame you because it's, uh, it's very unpredictable <laughs> uh, each year. I mean, how many sports do we see the... Team that finishes in last place beating a team that was in the playoffs that had a chance to win a league title, um, which happened last year because Compton beat Wilson. Only, only to, to be, I just want to underline only. that only boys yes. soccer.
1: <laughs> and, in, and in fact, that game is a borderline. Is it moral to hold this game in most sports in the Moore League at this point? The seventh place team versus the first place team is closer to being not safe than it is to being competitive in almost every sport, including, you talk about baseball where you have these great four-team you know races for a league title. Is the seventh-place team playing the first-place team in baseball a game a lot of people want to come and see? No, it has not been since, I think, 2010 when that was a game, when it was Compton-Lakewood in a in a, in a a good game that was going into the fifth and sixth inning, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, no, that is, and that's what boys soccer is, and that's what's made it such, a, uh, such an exciting sport that I know it's kind of one of those ones all three of us really, really get invested in it, you know, like all three of us are reading each other's stuff going, oh wow, that kid was the hero for Polly this week, you know what I mean? Like that's a surprise, oh, this goalie from Lakewood made this crazy save and JJ got a great clip of it, like I I love our coverage in a lot of different ways but I I really sell it to – I sell our boys' soccer coverage to more people who aren't high school sports fans than probably any other sport just because I have a ton of friends who are soccer fans and I'm always telling them like we get these great games. And because we're the only people really who are covering them, you get, like, live updates, photo galleries, the articles. JJ and Tyler's analysis is always awesome. Um, and then the videos. So it's like you have this full coverage of this really exciting soccer league.
2: It's just been super, super awesome uh, for us really every year. We haven't really had a lot of boring years. For no, and, and last year was awesome in the playoffs. Mike, you were there for all of it, that poly run uh, behind Amir Diaz-Espinoza all the way to the championship game at Vets. I mean, what a run, multiple victories in PKs, just epic, epic matches um, that Polly ends up going on that Cinderella run. And the Jackrabbits had a very tumultuous season last year between ineligibilities and injuries and a bunch of... They played so many different lineups. And I know, you know, Eric Leone at the beginning of the year was just kind of pulling his hair out because he didn't have what he needed and it was frustrating. But you saw... Perfectly the, quaffed hair, by the way. Always. Elegantly. Oh, <laughs> it is slicked back. That is not pushed back. And so... It uh, used to be. It used to be, yeah. Um, so it, it shows that, like, the talent is pretty much there for every group. It's, it's all the, the little things. It's peaking at the right time. You know, making sure you, you're healthy. Everybody knows their roles. And with the way soccer is you can you can go on a run, uh, even if you're not, quote unquote, the most talented team, because there's just not that many scoring events, right? So uh, it's it's always up for grabs for anyone, and it's going to be fierce just to get into the playoffs. And hopefully we won't have any drama uh, with the uh, officiating, which we've we covered in a previous podcast. So we won't get too far into it. We'll focus on the kids, but talk. you want to talk about throwing a wrinkle in everything. Oh my.
0: Yeah, sh- yeah, shout out to uh, C.J. Brewer, specifically at Wilson, all the coaches and administrators in the Moore League, uh, as well as the referees who have shown up to referee these games. Some of them former Moore League soccer players themselves coming back to referee games. So big shouts to you guys. Appreciate it. Also good news just in the local soccer world. You know, we wrote a lot of articles about facilities and how changing the fields to turf was going to immediately improve local soccer. Told you so. Now... St. Anthony can have the same thing happen to them because Clark Field is now all turf and they actually get a home uh, field. Did you know that the Saints boys and girls soccer team played every single one of their games on the road last year? Can you imagine? Can you imagine just having to get on a bus every single day? No, thank you.
1: And tougher senior you know, tougher senior class. That's what I always think about with this high school stuff. Like we, we get the benefit of seeing the arc of how this affects the program over a ten year period or something. But shout out to the Saint seniors uh, last year, who, like JJ said, I mean, you didn't get one home game. You know, that's very tough. But this year, man, how excited would you be as a senior this year? You spent your whole junior year on the road, and now you not only have a home, but it's a beautiful stadium too
0: relatively new coaches in Rodriguez and Perez as well. And they're like, Oh shoot. We don't have to go to like a park where there's potholes and <laughs> all that stuff. We can actually, you know, pass the ball on the ground and, and, and get some good work done building these programs. So the coaches themselves are also extremely pleased in saints land as well.
1: Um, talking about girls soccer, since you brought it up with St. Anthony, obviously that's been a three team race. Uh, I mean, it was a two team race for the first part of our career, but it's been Milliken, Wilson or Polly, and lately it's been Milliken. Uh, is it Milliken again this year, JJ, or are Wilson and Polly going to give him a run as they have the last couple years? Uh, who who do you think is bringing it home?
0: It's a uh, four. I think they have four of the last five, something like that. Um, yeah, Millik Milliken has been the gold standard. Uh, I think Tino Nunez. If you're doing a like full body of work last decade, Coach of the Year, you know what I mean. I think in the last decade Tino Nunez is the coach who took the program that was. The lowest to the highest, like the bigger, the biggest discrepancy Um, because they were having trouble beating Lakewood and now everybody in the league is having trouble beating them. So big shouts, big shouts to Tino. He just preaches a good quality style of soccer. And I think that not only with the fields helping that as well, but just like dedication to playing well, I think. After a while, it really caught on because you can you can win high school girls soccer by playing long ball, which is basically just letting your defenders kick the ball over the top and then letting your really fast players up top go chase it. Uh, You can do that. It's not really sustainable. Tino knew that came in there and has uh, has built a really, really great program. Watch out for Audrey Stewart this year, you guys. Uh, she is the perfect type of player to move from the wing to the inside, maybe back to the 10 a little bit, back to the wing. She's going to be a problem for defenders against that Milliken, uh, Milliken attack, for sure.
1: Um, I'm trying to think of if there's any other coaches we've seen do what Tino did. Now, obviously, they don't have the CIF. Uh, he doesn't have the CIF resume that a lot of the coaches that we cover have. But who who took a team from being a perennial third through fifth place team to sort of the assumed league champion year in year. Out. Carl Bugs did it like 25 years ago for poly girls basketball, but like it's hard to flip uh history at the high school level because it, you can have, I mean, like, look at what uh, Chris Francis did at Jordan last year. One of the best single seasons we've seen a coach have. It was unbelievable. But he comes to Tyler for this year's preview and goes, yeah, it's, we're, we're not trying to live up to last year. We're, we're trying to do something good this year. You have to fight that entropy. And Tino successfully did it to where, you know, as uh, my son's friends are moving up into middle school and high school, like I, I've got sort of a grounds level view of the entry level into these programs. It's really competitive to make the top frosh soft team at Milliken for girls soccer. There's a sub frosh soft team that you can be on <laughs> during the off season just to try and get reps for the number of people who are in the program. I mean, they are really, really um, reaping the benefit of the suburban infatuation with club soccer. You know, in part, to be honest, but you really can't undersell what Tino's done. And I know, um, and you know, it's none of it's illegal. I don't mind talking about it at all. I take my son to the Los Altos baseball field several times a week to practice, you know, help him with pitching, help him with hitting, whatever. Tino is almost always working with someone on the turf field at El Dorado, you know, working with middle school club kids, working with his high school athletes to get them extra work in. But it's I, I mean, he is really out there. It feels like almost 24 hours a day growing the size of that Millican girls soccer program. And I totally agree with you. He deserves so much credit for that.
0: So with that attack in mind, you guys did the Wilson and Long Beach Poly previews respectively. Do you feel like there's defenders on those teams that can slow down this Millican attack?
2: Well, <laughs> it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, you know, Millican's been the challenge and everybody knows that. And so they're going to be up for those games. Um, you know, Poly does have returners on the back line. They've got a bit of a question mark um, in goal. Um, obviously, you had a Division One keeper um, in Kennedy Justin who's now at the University of Hawaii, so that's always going to be tough to replace. Um, but they do have pretty good experience. It's it's basically juniors all across that back line for Polly. so th- there's a good chance that the Jackrabbits are kind of a year away from being their best, um, but uh, like we say in soccer, you can never count them out, and they've been so close and had some heartbreakers in some of those Milliken games, so you know they're hungry to get a result and kind of get over on the Rams, but it doesn't happen till it happens, right? So it, there's got to be some sort of breakthrough there. I, I wouldn't say that they could... I have confidence that anyone's going to stop Milliken, but... You know, maybe slow them down a little. <laughs> um, it's but it's going to take a, a big effort because, like you said, Jay. I mean, they're so deep um, and have so many different kinds of playmakers here year and year out. What about you, Mike? Uh, yeah, and I think I think looking at Wilson. I mean,
1: so first of all, same same story and goal. Obviously, graduating All American and live Herrera, who's at Arizona State now, and um, you know he uh, uh, they feel like they have the answer. You're not really going to know. And and uh, and and uh, they said, like, we knew we are in every game last year because of Liv. There's no game that we're just out of walking into the game. And that is a different level of confidence. But I don't think Wilson is trying – like, if I'm drawing up – and I'm not – obviously not coaching the team. But if I'm drawing up them beating Milliken, I'm going, hey, they've got the deepest program in the league. But we've got with the Fontenot sisters – Fontenot, Fontenot. Fontenot What's font-
0: the... Uh, Fontenot, yeah. Fontenot. Like, font- uh, font- Oh my I can't believe they just did that.
1: Yeah. With the Fontenot sisters, you legitimately can say, like, look at Zoe Fontenot. You can legitimately say she might be the best player on the field every time she's on the field. Like, I'd take yes. her over. Like, I love Audrey Stewart. Milliken, obviously, so many great players. But, like, that is an advantage in any sport. It's less of an advantage in soccer than it is in basketball to have the best player. But it's still a big advantage. So I think Wilson's got playmakers offensively that that's what they're going – you know that's sort of what the cause for optimism is. But yeah, I mean I agree with Tyler. It's like – it's tough to look at any back line and go, oh, they're just consistently going to hold Milliken down. And, and to be honest with you, I think that's Milliken's greatest strength is where we could end up with something really interesting would be if we had a two-year – if we had a two-team race because Polly or Wilson could absolutely beat Milliken one time. What's going to happen though is – is Wilson good enough to beat Polly both times or
0: and, vice versa and yeah. go
1: one and one with Will, uh, with Milliken or vice versa that's exactly it whereas Milliken has been good enough to be like we're going to go 3 and 1 in a worst case scenario we're going to lose to one of the two of you once and then we're going to let you pick each other off while we win the league championship, right? Like that's effectively been – and that's the that's the benefit of depth. That's the benefit of depth. So I yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited. We do have a real wrinkle with girls soccer as always with the way the schedule is put together in that this week, uh, Thursday, December 7th, we've got a huge game with Polly and Wilson. These teams start playing very early with these super meaningful games. It's before the official strike has been resolved. And it's uh, as girls are kind of still sometimes learning to play with each other coming back from their club season. So Not,
0: not only that, just learning to be fit, right? Club fit is different than high school fit. So like some of these kids come back and the coaches are like, I'm not going to put you out there for, you know, 60 minutes or whatever, uh, because then I'm going to lose you for the rest of the season. So everything is kind of piecemeal at this point. As we've seen in the past, this is like nothing new. You know what I mean? Sometimes I I remember there were sometimes uh, these December games, maybe not the biggest ones, but we would just see like the best players in the league on the sideline in, in civvies. They're just not even ready to go. All Americans sometimes,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, and and because they also need rest, right? I mean, that that's the challenges you make that switch over. But I, I think it, you do end up in these weird situations where it's the end of January, it's early February. You're like, okay, this team looks good to win a league title, and you're trying to remember why. You're like, when did they lose to that team? And you're like, oh, it was on December twenty second at eight p.m. It was. Twenty-five degrees outside, it felt like, you know, to the southern to the Southern Californians out there. I mean, we like Tyler and I covered a, a Wilson Milliken game at Wilson last year where everyone, I mean, like the Wilson moms were giving people hot chocolate like to keep them to keep them going. It was so cold. Bless I mean? them, by the way.
2: Bless them for <laughs> yes, including bless us bless in their, their hearts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But like, but sincerely, you get into February and you, you, because you have that two week holiday break, it's kind of hard to remember those games. But they count for just as much in the league standings, obviously, as as everything else does. Uh, So I just want to say, if you felt like we didn't talk enough about your favorite team, or you'd love to know more about girls water polo or boys and girls wrestling, we put up uh, the previews we put up for the winter sports this year. I'll tell you right now, they're as big as they're ever going to get. They're the biggest we've ever done by far. Um, we have really in-depth uh, articles on uh, every boys and girls basketball team, boys and girls soccer team, except for one coach that did not get back to JJ. And we've got great water polo and boys and girls wrestling previews from Eli Aquino and Matt Simon as well. So podcast, obviously, we're not going to talk for four hours about the winter previews. We could you though. Just, we could, and I could just read the previews. We could talk for 10 hours, but go check the 562.org. We're going to be this week re-socialing all those previews out as well. Um, So go get up to speed and then come see
0: us in the stands for some very exciting winter action over the next couple months. And make sure you smash that subscribe button at the top of the page. Every single cent means more love for Long Beach Sports.